welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and my listeners get the story behind every book. The earliest chapter in the trials of my life Left a part of me with you in that fight The beautiful song that you just listened to was written by our author. Joining me today is Sawyer Small. Sawyer is here to talk about his book, The Hardest Part About, A Ten-Year Journey Through Grief. Sawyer is a board-certified music therapist who writes and records Christian music. He specializes in mental health and grief counseling, as well as hospice and palliative care. As a musician and a faith-based speaker, he's traveled around the United States sharing his story with teens and young adults at church, youth groups, and schools. Sawyer, welcome. Thank you, Suzanne, for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to kind of talk more about the book and the topic of grief in itself. It's it's such a big topic, and anyone who has lost someone experiences grief. But I want to talk about you just a little bit. Let's talk about you and your music just for a few minutes. Tell me about the origins of the song that we played just before we started the interview. Yeah, so um, the song, More Than I Can Take, I, I kind of wrote it during a period of, um, I had just finished my schooling and done my internship and I was, um, looking for a job and kind of in a process of maybe moving states. And I thought it was a prime time to get back into, to writing. And the song itself, um, talks a lot about, uh, the grief that I had kind of been not bottling up, but not really had the chance to discuss as much. And, talk about all of this loss that I've experienced and the the premise of it really is just that getting the chance to reflect on all these losses um, it, there's a little bit of um, what we might call post-traumatic growth of learning a lot through the losses and you know, kind of leaning on my faith to almost develop strength through through some of the losses and so that song kind of came very naturally. And around that time as well, I was contemplating starting writing or journaling or um, starting to do a book possibly. And that kind of led into an actual book. It's interesting how events that happen in some people's lives are a seminal event for them. And you lost your mother at age 14, which is the the biggest seminal event that I can think of for anybody. And why did you choose what what was the what was the thing that propelled you to write the book now? Was there a reason that it came about? Yeah, I I was kind of reflecting on the fact that I I'm a big anniversary person, I'm a big birthday person and at that time um when I was thinking about writing, it was getting close to, it was about half a year away from my mom's 10 year anniversary of her death. And so 
getting a chance to just for me to reflect on those 10 years and not just let the anniversary pass by. Um, uh, that was a, a prime time for me to do a little bit of writing and kind of in the nature of me is I, I tend to think big. And so when I start something, I start to think very uh, um, grandiose um, images and like ideas about things. And um, I had the idea of, of kind of going further with the writing and making it more of like a educational thing. But most importantly, I wanted to uh, really reflect on those 10 years and use it as like a healing opportunity. When I was looking at the book, and I particularly paid attention to the table of contents, I thought it was really interesting. Because you're a musician and because you're a, a songwriter, you, you have done some really clever plays on song titles in the the introduction there. But I thought that the very first chapter where you said, newly diagnosed teenager... I can't imagine at 14 years old losing your mom. How hard was it to begin that first chapter? Uh, I feel like the first chapter was honestly one of the most vivid ones for me. Um, Kind of the concept of the newly diagnosed teenager is that when I turned 13, Like the day that I turned 13, my mom was not feeling well. Um, She, they, she was kind of showing signs of um, anemia. And then about a week or two later is when they were kind of looking a little bit further into things. So about a a month later, she had been diagnosed with uh, cancer. And so about around that time, I think, was just very vivid for me. Um, it was the last year I had with my mother and it actually was one of my, I wouldn't say favorite chapters to write, but I was excited to to delve back into that period of time because I don't want to forget it because that was the last year that I had with my mom. And, um, it, it definitely has a lot of lasting images that I hold on to. Let's go ahead and give the listeners an overview of the book. You're an excellent writer. I'm not surprised that you're an excellent writer because you write music. Your words, I told you before we started the interview, you really resonated with me as I began to read your words. And I, too, have lost not only my mother but my father. And when I was reading your words, they just came rushing back to me. And the thing that struck me when that happened, as I started to think about our interview, was that the words you wrote were not for me, but the words were for me, because it was your experience. But at the same time, I felt like you were talking directly to me about my experience. And I think that that's something that's really important to mention so that our listeners will kind of understand that your writing style is really, really, it pulls you right in and you can really identify. You you use words very well. Your prose is quite beautiful, which is, again, not a surprise. So let's do the overview. Sorry, I get carried away sometimes. I really really like talking with authors. Please go ahead. Uh, Yeah. um, When I I wrote the book, it's, it was meant to to reach a broader audience. 
Um, I think, you know, going through school for music therapy and, and working in hospice, working in mental health, I can get very clinical at times with my colleagues and um, get very academic with my classmates. Um, and, and the aspect of like writing a book is that you, you want to reach to all readers. And so um, the overview of the book is really, it's, it's a 10 year journey of grief, which is said in the title, but it, it's primarily my journey. Um, I wanted to highlight and, and reflect on the past, the, the, those 10 years after my mom had died and talk about pivotal events. Um, some of the commonalities that you know, a lot of people experience and one of the most important things about the book to know is that it's not just my writing, even though that it is talking about kind of primarily my journey through those 10 years, I found it very important if we're talking about a book about grief and how um, grief is so individualized for everyone, that it was important to not only have my perspective, but to have perspectives of friends, family members, um, it, the, my immediate family really as well to talk about their perspectives. And so the book goes through those 10 years, but it interdisperses other people's perspective on sometimes a similar events or how they viewed certain concepts of grief. And so each chapter really talks about the hardest part about that person's perspective. So while you are hearing my story, all of my chapters do start with the hardest part about and talk about a specific aspect of grief. However, whenever you get to the chapters that are perspective chapters, whether it's my sisters or my dad or my grandma, my aunt, um, or any of the friends of my mom, they're coming from their perspective of being that person for my mom, such as the daughter, the husband, the sister, the mother. And its attempt is to show how grief plays out in everyone's life and how individualized it is, but how universal it is too. Grief is a very natural experience that we all go through in some way, shape, or form, but it's just amazing how there are certain aspects of grief that are very universal, which when writing it then and, and when the readers read it, um, like you said, Suzanne, there's probably some aspects that even though I'm talking about my journey, there's going to be some aspects that resonate with people because it's so many commonalities and themes that come out when we experience uh, a grief journey. How does this work with your music therapy? I know you work with clients and I know that you work with people who are also going through grief. Is it difficult for you not to bring your own experiences and and say to the person, oh, yeah, I understand, I've lost my blah, 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 and, and you talk about your own experience. Is that hard to leave out? Is that, I mean, I know you're a professional, so I know that you would be very professional about how you handle it, but I was curious about how that works for you. Yeah, I think there's there's many schools of thought on how much self-disclosure you, you should use and I think I always err on the side of uh, I'm only going to disclose if I feel that it's going to benefit the client in, in some way. Um, and so 
I think a lot of times I err on the side of I, I'm just listening for them, and I I will highlight some of the key aspects that they're they're talking about. Um, I mean, my work is a lot of times through music, and so when I bring in specific songs, I'm bringing in them so that they can pull out what they need from those lyrics and talk about some of the hard things that they are, are dealing with with their grief. Um, occasionally I, I may hint that, you know, this is an experience that, you know, I have personally been through as well. Um, but I, I try my best to make sure the focus is, is on the the clients or the patients that I work with. But yeah, there's, it, it's, if I'm, if I'm in a place where I'm kind of in a, in a grief cycle, or if I'm reminded of aspects that maybe a, a client tells me something and it just resonates with me, um, I got to recognize and, you know, inside myself, I got to recognize that that's kind of, uh, you know, it, it's still a real thing for me. And whether I process or talk about that with my colleagues after the session, or if I, you know, go to my own therapist and, and kind of process some of that, that's something I find important to not, not, not acknowledge or to kind of, you know, let be, I need to be aware of what comes up for me in sessions and just make sure that it's not, um, you know, overrunning what the patient needs. It's, it's more about them and less about me, I guess. You know, music is so powerful. I've, I've done a little research. I'm one of those Jill of all trades, as it were, and I write custom curriculum <laughs> and I do presentations to, um, organizations. And so I'm, I'm really interested in the brain and how the brain works and I'm constantly doing research. And I know that music is such a powerful force for us. It, I read a, a quote once that said, there is nothing else that lights up the brain like music, that it involves the whole brain. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. drew you to music therapy? I know that you were a musician. How how young were you when you actually began to play? Uh, I started piano around the age of seven, um, thanks to my mom, actually. Uh, she allowed me to take piano lessons despite not allowing my sisters. <laughs> uh, I think... Are you the youngest? Uh, I, I am, yep. <laughs> And there's definitely some favoritism there. Um, or, you know, when you're, when do you youngest, you're the baby. Um, part of it too, I think is my sisters had tried other stuff before and decided it wasn't for them. And so my mom thought that piano was probably just another phase that they might go through, but I, I must've been very adamant about it. I don't remember, um, how adamant I was, but we, we tried it out, um, and I was taking lessons from a senior in high school. And uh, after about like a, not even a half a semester of being with him, he had recommended me to another piano teacher who was actually the accompanist for our high school. And so I then got in with her and she was phenomenal of kind of um, fostering my, my uh, love for music and, and helping me use as an outlet and then really from there, it, I joined band. I was a percussionist. Um, I made honor choirs. I, I did jazz band, show show choir, anything music related throughout school. It just kind of went off from there. And it really wasn't until 
my second half of my junior year in high school when I started to think about what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, in, in music terms, I knew I wanted to do something with music, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a music teacher. I didn't really know if I wanted to go the music performance route. And because of a project from our school counselor, she actually had us research fields and, and um, some universities and colleges we might be interested in. I had actually stumbled upon music therapy and it just somehow intrigued me and felt right for me. It seems like such a natural profession for someone like you. And, you know, I'm just sort of fascinated about how all of this works. Did you learn anything new about yourself as you were writing the book this time? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a a self, it's a self healing exercise. I mean, it's a little, I do caution sometimes people about like delving so deep into things with uh, writing, especially when you're talking about like traumatic experiences. And if you don't have that like support to kind of talk with someone, sometimes you can open up a lot of stuff. Um, I'll say when I was writing the, the a lot of the chapters, there were certain ones I look forward to because in a sense, it's it's empowering to kind of write your own narrative and to reflect on the experience. And even though there may have been some times of like hurt, you get a chance to look at it from a different lens, like a maybe a more relaxed and, and comfortable lens and think about all of that growth that maybe you didn't notice during that time. Um, and so the, the book writing itself, it part, it came very naturally, but it also opened up a lot. I definitely had some times where I was crying, um, was laughing and was like excited to talk about certain funny things about my mom. Um, but I definitely, even after I wrote it, there were some certain things that kind of got left open that um, I continued to kind of write about later and um, try to process further with friends and my therapist and um, very healing, but also very vulnerable. You know, therapists often recommend uh, to people who just for stress reasons to sit down and journal would you think that that would be helpful for people as well if they've been through an experience or even if they're they're really feeling stressed like I know so many people are after all this pandemic time? Yeah, I I am wholeheartedly for journaling and just get a chance to to write it out. Um, but even some people find it helpful for just to like record their voice talking about stuff. Um, I actually had a patient not too long ago tell me how powerful it was to record their voice and, and kind of express some of their emotions after they learned about a diagnosis they had. And they said that they, they listened to one of their earlier recordings and were reflecting on how, how far they had come since like that first initial day of learning about their diagnosis. And just for people who don't, maybe don't have like the ability to like write or that's not for them, even just like get a chance to just vent and talk about it, record it, um, is, can be a powerful, um, thing for people. 
I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it's just so helpful. And there are so many different ways to journal. If somebody is listening to us and they're thinking, oh, I just can't. It sounds like a school assignment. I can't imagine. (laughs) But you can do one sentence journals. You can do, as you said, a vocal journal. There's so many different things that you can do that can allow you to put your thoughts down. And I love what you just said about going back listening or reading what you wrote when you first started this and then see mm-hmm. how far you've come down whatever path or journey it is you're you're traveling. I'm a breast cancer survivor myself and one of the mm-hmm. things that I did when I was going through that experience was I wrote down things. I, I had a little group of people. I, I used an email journal and I would share just my thoughts and it would I would just do exactly what you said. It was stream of consciousness. I would just sit there and I would write whatever it was that was going through my head. And I found that it really helped. And the other thing that it did for the people who read it, they had never experienced anything like that. And so they didn't have any idea. I mean, unless someone has been through something like that, it's very difficult to really understand. So mm-hmm. I'm glad you're a journaler, too, because I thought that that was really important. Would you like to share a little bit of the book with the listeners? Yeah, definitely. I I know some of it can kind of be seen from the back cover and there's a little preview, but um, I decided to kind of pull from the introduction, go a little bit further than what you might see from the back cover. Um, I kind of hesitate to share stuff towards the middle um, when it gets into start referencing names or like kind of gives away some key events in it. So um, I'm going to read a portion from the introduction, which kind of sets up the whole book in itself. One of the hardest things about books on grief is knowing how to start to help keep it brief. I'm stuck inside my head trying to break it into parts, remembering the lessons that the grief imparts. In a complex world wanting to find our way out, we begin with four words, the hardest part about. Four simple words. Such a small amount of words expressed by a friend, spouse, family member, coworker, and so on can go in many different directions. You may find that there are times when you are starting a sentence with these four words with the intent of delving into your own feelings or as a way to express the perceived pain of a situation so that others may understand where your mind and heart were at in the moment. You may also be thinking about these four words as you reflect on the fact that you picked up a book that centered on grief. Regardless, hearing or saying the phrase the hardest part about means that a story is about to be told. To anyone, it's easy to find the negative in our lives and the need to express our anger, powerlessness, frustrations, or misfortunes to others in hopes that we may feel better about our situations. Possibly, we just want to receive the sympathy of our friends or family to comfort us. Growing up, we often find anything that's the slightest bit negative in our lives in order to express our voices and be a part of the culture of hurting and suffering individuals. From middle school and high schoolers expressing their failures in life over broken relationships, to college students struggling to find meaning in their future lives, and to adults not satisfied with their work environment, we all find a use for the phrase, the hardest part about. 
Oh, I like that. Thank you for sharing that, Sawyer. Now, let's talk about where the book is available. I know that our listeners are saying to themselves, especially if they're going through an issue right now with grief, where can I find this book? It's available on Amazon. And all you have to do is go to Amazon, and here's the the title of the book. Probably if you just put in the first part of the title, you could find it. But the whole title is The Hardest Part About, colon, A Ten-Year Journey. Through Grief by Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R, small, S-M-A-L-L. Click on that, the book comes up, and in the upper right-hand corner, you may see the words, look inside. If you see those little words, the representation of the cover, click on those words, and the book will electronically open, and as Sawyer said, there is an excerpt so that you can get a feel. You can see the table of contents. You'll see what I mean about Sawyer's play on song titles. They're very (laughs) clever. Yeah, I really, that caught my attention immediately. And you can also read his words and read some of the other information about the book. You can buy it right there on that page. Is there anything else that you want to say about being able to buy the book, Sawyer? Um, I mean, for those who, like other sources, um, Barnes & Noble definitely has it as well on their website, um, Books A Million, and the publisher itself also um, has it on their bookstore, and the publisher is Westbow Press, um, W-E-S-P-B-O-W, and then Press, P-R-E-S-S. Any any location is great to buy, and I guess kind of whatever it is most convenient for people. Excellent. Now, you're on Facebook. Let's tell our listeners how to find you on Facebook. Um, I do have a artist slash author page. Um, it's at Sawyer Small Music, so my name and then music afterwards. Um, and it should pop up with um, my artist page. And so I, I do a lot of um, posting about um, any song covers that I do, any videos, anytime I have um, original music, I'll post on there. And I do also tend to post other writings on there occasionally um, for like a blog post. Good. Now, we have to mention the YouTube channel. I know that you don't have as much on there right now as you plan to put on there, but you have some of your songs on the YouTube channel, and that would give people a visual of you and let you hear more of your your work. Tell us how to find you on YouTube. So my YouTube channel is pretty simple. It's just my name, Sawyer Small. Um, It should come up with a a picture of me. I, I do have kind of different playlists of cover songs. I even do have um, my senior recital from college. Um, so I, I was a percussion major, so you can kind of observe some of the other things that I, I delved into as well. I always like to let the author have a final word or a final say about their work. Your work in this case is so very personal. I know that there are some things that you would probably want to say to our listeners. There is probably a bottom line message that you would like them to take away from the book when they finish reading. And this is not a book that someone may sit down and read cover to cover. They may sit down and read it cover to cover. But this is a book that 
I think once you have it in your library, you want to keep it because grief won't just come into your life once. It will come into your life more than once. And a book like this would be valuable over and over and over. So what would you like to say, finally, to our listeners, Sawyer? Um, kind of like you said, it, it can be a book that can be useful um, more than just once. I think in, some people who've talked to me about reading my book was that some read it from cover to cover and some had to take it in spurts. Um, due to being very personal to them. And my hope with the book is that it's part educational, but also a part um, kind of a, it normalizes what, what we experience with grief and helps people feel heard. So my hope is that when people read this, they, they get a sense of healing or at least support, comfort. Um, they feel heard in whatever loss that they're experiencing. Um, the book definitely talks about how grief is not just about death. It, it focuses on losses of all kinds. Um, we have some education on that. And and I think as well, I tried my best to provide different ways of thinking about grief kind of metaphorically or through images because um, everyone resonates with a different idea and resonates with different metaphors of grief. And my hope is that there's different ways that people can kind of think about what they're experiencing and get some practical ideas of being able to cope with some of their emotions, help others through their losses, or just simply understand maybe their friends or family members who are experiencing grief. Um, one of the last things that I wanted to make sure that was at the end of the book was available grief support. So there are many different organizations and websites that provide some really great educational and um, support groups, um, some of those resources that people can utilize if they feel that they need it or just need that extra support. Thank you, Sawyer, for being our guest on Books on Air. I really think your book is important, and I think that I hope that people who are either experiencing grief or know someone who is experiencing grief will pick up a copy of the book. Remember, you can find Sawyer's book. And the title is The Hardest Part About A 10-Year Journey Through Grief by Sawyer Small. It's available on Amazon. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, as well as Stitcher. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I do hope that you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so very much for listening.